0: Welcome back to another edition of the Terms and Definitions series here on the How to Buy a Home Podcast. Today's letters are O and P, and I love the letter P because many, many of my favorite first-time homebuyer words are P words. You got patience, persistence, perseverance, positive attitude, and the one P word that I positively preach, persistently, planning. I did all the Googling for you so you don't have to Time for the layman's glossary. Plus, you're going to get a bonus side note today. Let's go. What is up? How to buy, homies? David Sedoni here. If you're new to the show, hi, that's me. By the way, Why are you starting a podcast at O&P, like two-thirds of the way through the alphabet? It's right there in the title. That's what we're doing. Scroll back, episode A, go in order, you freak. Okay, now that it's just us homies, and all of you have listened to A through N, or perhaps you're listening to the OP episode sometime in the future because you ran into a word that you just don't know the definition for, and you're here for clarification. Well, first of all, hello from the past. Got to ask real quick, am I skinny in the future? Please tell me. All right, to start today, you got to know that when it comes to O, there's only really one word that you need to know. So today's episode is going to be one O word, and then it's going to be all about the P. Ooh, that sounded nasty. As well as we're going to be going into a very important side note tangent today. This is real important, and it's about the questions that you want to ask when you're buying a home. What do you ask? To who do you ask it? And when? And this will help you make sure that you're going to be getting the best answers to help you make the best decisions moving forward. All right. When it comes to our O word, this is one that you're not going to find on Google when you look for the real estate terms from A to Z, because technically this is not a technical real estate term. But if you listen to the podcast for any time, you'll understand that it's one of the most important words, options. Look, I know some of you come here for the specifics and the details. When I talk about options, it's going to sound like I'm talking like a little bit about philosophy and theory and buying a home. But listen up closely. Options are huge. If you're an analytical type, you a know, spreadsheet person, an engineer, a number cruncher, or someone who just loves to be prepared so you can look at everything from every angle to make sure that you make all the right moves. Well, look, you understand. The best way to be able to make the rice move is to be able to have all the different options. If you've only got one or two options, that limits you being able to get to the best outcome as opposed to if you had five, six, seven, eight, nine different ways to get there. So let me give you the best advice that I can give. Your perfect home buying formula can be improved more today with actions than it can research. That's going to freak some of you out. Some of you people who love to do all the research, let me explain to you, (laughs) please, I'm telling you this just because I want you to win. And the biggest winners are not those who create a path of least resistance and follow a linear path. The biggest winners are not the ones who just try to create the fastest linear path after they do all their research, trying to find the most efficient way to complete the mission. I know this is going to drive some of you anal planners crazy, but creative options... And taking action to find out what those options are and realizing which ones you can use, that is the formula to create the biggest winners. And the bottom line is, if you take those actions and you figure out all those different paths, you can still go down the simple linear path if you choose to. But the more planning that you do, the more options that you're going to get. And the way to do that is by starting with a trusted team, starting with them early to help them enlighten you along the way so that you can be creative and eventually have multiple different choices to help you with everything. I'm talking about your loan approvals, your loan product options, your tax return changes, your savings plans, your credit score help, your down payment options, your employment verification, your neighborhood choices. Layout of the house that you're looking at, the potential long term sale of the home or rental options, your negotiation strategies, your seller credit options, and ultimately figuring out the best way to set you up for the most favorable offer and terms architecture that's going to help you land the home that you truly love. Two words encapsulate the first time home buying process options and compromise. The more options you have, the less compromise you have to do. You compromise for the greater good. But The earlier and the more thoroughly you plan, the more options that you're gonna have and the less that you're gonna have to compromise. So get your realtor, get your lender guides, and start early because some of these items take a lot of time to actually get done in order for you to have the potential to use the best options, whether it's credit or saving or getting all your ducks in a row. And then once you have that all complete, then you can work the system. So when the day comes that you are ready to start writing offers, You have multiple different snowballs to throw in the snowball fight. Like the little kid did with Will Ferrell when he was the elf. He had tons of snowballs to throw. You know he was going to win that fight. The more options that you have, the less chance that you have to settle. Okay, that's our O word. Very, very exciting O word. So now, let's P. Not sure, but I think that segue needs some work. Okay, our first P is partial payment. Really? That's where we're going to start? Partial payment? I mean, I understand it's an alliteration, it sounds cool, but come on, like nobody knows, fine. I will define partial payment. Maybe you're an ambitious 16-year-old preparing to buy a home when you're 18. So I'm gonna explain this seemingly self-explanatory term. A partial payment is a payment that is less than the scheduled monthly payment. (laughs) Now, if you do that on a mortgage loan, Depending on how hardcore your bank is, sometimes it's not going to count and you might end up getting a 30-day ding on your credit, so make sure you check with them. Our next P is a payoff amount. This is probably something you're not going to need to worry about if you're a buyer, but when you sell a home, your payoff amount is how much you will actually have to pay to satisfy all the terms of paying off your mortgage and any fees or anything you have left over. The payment change date. Now, this is another important one for those arms that we talked about in other episodes. Adjustable rate mortgages are something that are starting to come back and people starting to use them. So you have to understand your payment change date. That is the date when the new monthly payment amount takes effect. Something that actually screwed up a whole bunch of people in the past when they got hit with a change date they weren't ready for or balloon payment. So something you got to understand. So this is super important for you to know. And I would put a reminder in your calendar six months or a year ahead of time if you do have a payment change date coming with your arm so your mortgage doesn't unexpectedly go up hundreds of dollars and you don't find out until they take the money out of your account. Our next P is the payment cap. Now, again, this is another term that's mostly used for the adjustable rate mortgages or other variable rate loans. And for some of you, the payment cap could be the reason why using that arm, that adjustable rate mortgage, might be a smart decision for you. It's kind of obvious. It's a cap. So what that means is it's actually going to limit the amount that payments can increase or decrease. So you got to think the cap on the top, but also on the bottom. And they come at different times within the period of your loan and different periods. They're going to give you a simple formula that'll be a plus minus, which means... In your advanced loan program planning that you're doing when you're working with your arm, you're going to know, okay, at this date, it can only go up or minus this much. So the good thing about that is it can't jump up or it can't drop all the way down, which of course we'd love it to do, but they're going to take care of themselves too. But you're also protected. It can't jump way up if rates go nuts. And of course, keep in mind, this does not limit the amount of interest the lender is earning. So if none of that made any sense to you, then I would say, don't get an arm just because Uncle Joe told you to find yourself a unicorn team, then do have them work with you. Do hours and hours of digging with you on your finances, your personal goals, and then they can help advise you. Which leads me to today's bonus side note. This is a side note I've been waiting to talk to you guys about for a long time. It's an overall practical how-to about the entire first-time homebuyer process, mostly talking about How do you ask the questions? Who do you ask them to? When do you ask them? And what do you ask? Now, I know that sounds like a lot to cover in a side note, but it's pretty simple. I'm going to just break this down for you because I want you to make sure when you ask the questions, you know what kind of answers to expect that are going to be the best for you. Yeah, I'm cool. Go for it. Bring them on. I do my best to answer them. In fact, it's right there on my website, howtobuyahome.com. There's a freaking ask a question and ask David button. I'm down with that. This is my jam. But let me make sure that I clarify something with this side note. There are many, many questions that have come into me from listeners all over the United States and Canada. People asking me questions all the time. And there are many that I cannot in good conscience answer with only partial information. This is the big one I want you guys to understand. I want you to ask all your questions, but I do also want you to make sure that I believe that nobody with any integrity should see a one sentence, one paragraph, or possibly even a one-page question from someone who's going to make the biggest financial decision of their life and turn around and advise them one way or the other with a blanket statement. This is not one size fits all. This is not everybody gets the same thing off the shelf. This is totally, uniquely personal. So as much as I'd love to be able to help you out, there are a few questions that you can ask that could be or should be given a quick answer by any real estate professional who doesn't know your full story. And do you know why? Because there are too many options. See, there's the option word again. Here, let me give you some examples of questions that have been asked to me that I was not able to answer and not able to send a one word, one paragraph or one quick answer to because I didn't have all the information and I couldn't answer with any sort of ethical integrity to make sure that I was leading them in the right direction. David, with the market changing right now, should I look into an arm instead of a fixed? Hey, David, we can go 10 or 20% down. Which one should we do? Hey, David, I just found your podcast and oh, it's so great. I'm so excited. Hey, look, we found this home and then they send a link at the home on Zillow. Do you think this is overpriced? Should we go for it? What should we offer? So those are just a few examples. And thank you so much for reaching out to me. At least I'm getting through to somebody out there who thinks that maybe I know what I'm talking about. and Maybe I can help you because that's all I want to do is make sure that you thrive. But it's not your fault for reaching out to me and asking these questions and looking for an expert opinion. And I am just telling you, I'm not going to be able to give it to you. I shouldn't, I can't, and I won't answer a short question with a definitive answer just to make me sound like I'm the guy who knows everything and I can do everything right. I don't know you. I don't know your situation. And there are way too many variables. I'm extremely flattered that you think I might have the right answer. The real right answer is that no one should ever answer these all-encompassing, giant questions like they're just a salesperson at Best Buy comparing two different computers for you who goes, oh, if I were you, man, you got to buy this one. That's a killer deal. Wish I could do that, but I can't. I get it. You just want answers. It's confusing and you want guidance or maybe you don't want to be spammed or hassled or sold to. I get it you're probably super wary of engaging with the pariah on the internet who are trying to capture you as a sale. It's a high pressure spam a lot world of online real estate. And I know if you've ever asked anybody on Zillow or Redfin for just like a little question, hey, this house looks interesting. Next thing you know, you got thirsty salespeople killing and blowing up your email and your phone all day long. So I'd love to help you. I'd love to answer your questions, but I think the key is just to make sure that you understand this is why our relationship has been one way first. I got almost a million people that are listening to the podcast right now. And I can tell you, I haven't talked to all of you. (laughs) Most of you are just listening to me. And that's awesome. That's the relationship. I give it away to you and you find the answers. I spit in the mic. I drop all my knowledge. I post all my Instagrams, my TikToks, and my YouTubes. What's up, my peeps? How you doing? And then you watch, you learn, you get empowered And you educate yourself. So thank you so much for asking your questions. But I just want to make sure that you understand that the answers that you seek, well, they're probably one of the 136 educational podcast episodes that I have or video that I published somewhere online. And to really get the correct and specific answers just for you to be answered with any certainty that someone is giving you the advice directly for you and your situation, that's going to take a pro digging deep into all the logistics. Yeah, they've got to get deep into your finances, into your debt, your income, your current rent, your income potential, your credit, your savings. And then they've got to get deep into the emotional side of things to understand what work-life balance, what balance of how much do you want to spend versus how much do you want to be stable and how much do you want to be comfortable. They need to understand your goals, your timeframes, your life situations, your family situations, your potential employment opportunities, or maybe you're going to want to quit and travel the world. And really, they need to understand your hopes and dreams. This isn't a car that's going to be a one-time thing that's kind of in and out in your life. This is your home. That's a big big emotional deal just as much as it's a big financial transaction. So don't expect me to answer with, yes, this is always the thing that you should do. This is the best practice. That's not going to be the answer for a lot of the questions that you bring in. I'm not selling, I'm educating, and I'm starting a revolution to help eliminate the sellers and to rise up the education realtors and lenders out there so that you can get to your best happy ending. Now, on the flip side of that, there are some questions that do have some quick definitive answers. So let me give you the examples of those. Do I need 20% down? No. Can I use an adjustable rate mortgage? Yes. Should you do either one of those? Well, that's the one where it takes getting to know all the information. And there are some other simple questions that I have answers for. Like someone says to me, I don't want to buy a home for six months. Should I wait now or should I start planning? No, don't wait. Start planning now. In fact, I recommend that you start planning 12 months ahead of time if you can. Another one I can answer. Should I use an online lender for a better rate? No, it's going to cost you more in their lack of customer service and their lack of presenting you probably a whole bunch more cost-effective options for you. And well, they just suck. Now the question I can always answer quickly, is Dave Ramsey always right? No. No, I don't think so. He just cost first-time homebuyers hundreds of thousands of dollars in the last decade. And you know what? He's just kind of mean, too. And finally, the one question I can answer definitively every time without having to go deep into your personal life, will I stop with the dad jokes and musical theater references? Nope. That's the price that you pay for the one experienced voice in the cluttered world of bad advice for real estate you got to deal with that. Nothing good comes without sacrifice. So uh, before I get back to the P, gross, if you've got a question, pause, go to howtobuyhome.com and ask a question or ask David. And the answer could be as simple as go to episode 22, episode 56, or episode 112. Or it could be, oh, you know what? This is one of those I can answer quickly. Yeah. And then here's the backing up information on that. Check out episode 48, 63, 82, whatever. Okay, our next P that I've got, this is for all my military people. It's PCS orders. Now, this makes sense for a lot of people who think they might be moving quickly because a PCS order, that's active duty or service members get PCS orders. It's a permanent change of station. (laughs) For us civilians, that means you got to move. The official relocation of a service member and a family member living with them due to a different duty location, that's their PCS. So This is your life, military folks, and you knew that moving was likely going to be part of what you signed up for, and the good news is you're probably going to get either potentially a housing stipend or barracks options, so while the market's changing and while you're moving all over the country, maybe look to take advantage. Episode 98 tells my story of how I could have made tons of money when I was younger, if I'd bought my first home in 1991, right before the market actually went down. Yes, I would have made money if I purchased a home when the market was dropping. It's all there in episode 98. I know, it seems weird, but in hindsight, now that I understand what I could have done and how to do the math, it still would have been better if I bought in a declining market. So if you're enlisted and you expect a PCS or two or, I don't know, three over the next five, seven, eight years, there are a ton of strategies that can help you become wealthy by using your military income that you get to buy homes in the cities where you're stationed. And in 10 years, who knows? Maybe you're on your own two or three homes in all the different places that you've been stationed. If you have a specific question about that, there's some place you can go. I forgot. What was it called? I can't remember. Oh, yeah. home.com ask David. Next up is personal property. Personal property is a technical real estate term that they use. What it means is the stuff that's in the house, the stuff that's not screwed into the walls. Now, this actually does vary from state to state. There's some weird law in Texas like personal property is anything that Can't be removed from a wall with just a screw, something like that. Like literally the inspectors will take a screwdriver. in. if you can remove it with just a screwdriver, then that's personal property. But if it takes more than a screwdriver, then that's part of the house. Pretty weird, huh? It's a technical term. You're going to hear real property and personal property. Real property is the walls of the house and all the stuff that's attached to it. Personal property is all the stuff inside. And you have to be very careful when you're using a loan, because if you include too much personal property, you're actually changing the value of the house based on the grand piano or the Bentley that's in the garage. You can't do that and get a home loan for it. It doesn't work like that. Our next P word is P-I-T-I. Now, this is one that you're going to hear a lot It's the four primary components of a monthly mortgage. And you've heard me talk about it, if you're a homie, a billion times. P-I-T-I. Say it with me, gang. Principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. That is correct. And I pity the fool who doesn't know that acronym. You should just drink just for that. I'm not even going to say old. Just the fact that I said that comment proves how old I am. That's Mr. T from the 80s. Great show. You should watch A-Team. It was dope. I love it when a plan comes together. Google Mr. T. He's like 70 and he still has a ridiculous haircut from the 80s. It's awesome. Okay, pity. P-I-T-I. This is the new number that you're going to need to budget for. This is going to be the monthly number that replaces your rent payment. Now, small side note on this one. The T-I in P-I-T-I, your taxes and insurance, they can be paid two different ways. They can either be paid as part of your P-I-T-I. And to do that, you have to do something what's called impounding them. So if your taxes and insurance are impounded, your lender takes care of it for you, or you can decide you're going to do it on your own and pay it like every six months or every year, depending on what's going on in your state. But you have to make sure you save up for it. So you have a lower payment every month, but you really should be putting money away into a savings account so it can go either way. PITI reserves. Now, sometimes when you buy a home to get a better mortgage interest rate or a better loan product, you might have to have some money stashed away. A lot of times you'll hear people say, oh, I couldn't get a loan until I had money that was being seasoned. That means you have to have the money in the account for like three months or six months before you actually get your loan approval. Having reserves means that at the time that you purchase the home, they want to see six months of PITI, your entire monthly payment in your bank account. Check with your lender to see if you need reserves to get your loan approved. Oh, I love the next one. The next P is PUD. It's a planned unit development. This is not something you need to know right away to run out and buy a house, but it's just something that you should be aware of. PUD is a real estate project in which individuals hold title to a residential lot and the home. So that means that, yeah, you own the home, but there are some common features that are maintained by a homeowners association, but it actually isn't necessarily categorized as a condo because it's a PUD. So it's going to be different in other parts of the country, depending on where you are. So check with your realtor. The reason that's important to use it, sometimes condos have different loan products and you might be able to get a better rate if you're in a planned unit development than if you're just a straight condo. Check with your lender. And our next P is PMI. Now, what can I say about PMI that I haven't already said in what, a million other episodes? If you want to know about PMI, go to episode 131, episode 69 and get all the math and the dirty details on how PMI is not the devil. PMI used correctly is actually a brilliant tool to help you stop paying rent and you can use it to just pay a small monthly fee to start accumulating the real wealth, which is home ownership. Okay, I'm looking at the clock and I'm looking at my notes and dang, I have so much more pee left. Once again, I apologize for my horrible segues today. Look, I'm going to break these up. So let's wrap up this episode. and I'm going to bring you more p in a few more days. I did it again. Sorry. Share the podcast, write a review, go to howtobuyahome.com and ask David, ask a question, get a guide gang, get a plan and get those options. You can do this.